SEP Fanfic Readings presents A Thousand Words by Olive Juice 28 Chapter 12 Mentors and Musings Quite quickly, everyone settled into a comfortable routine. Since they attended most of their classes together, all of the eighth years had very similar schedules. Breakfast was usually a quiet, more subdued affair than lunch or dinner, since everyone was still waking up and not quite fully functioning. It was during one of those sleepy mornings that Hermione looked across the table to find Theo reading a book while waiting for his porridge to cool. She had learned that Theo was almost as voracious a reader as she was, so his bringing a book to the table wasn't unusual. But the book itself was. "'You're reading Tolkien?' she asked him, surprised. He glanced up to meet her gaze. "'Yes. Have you read this?' "'Yes. He's one of my favorite authors,' she smiled. "'He's a muggle, you know.' Theo smiled in return. Yes, I'm aware. I also like C.S. Lewis, Agatha Christie, Ernest Hemingway, and Jane Austen. I've even been known to read a Shakespeare sonnet or two. Hermione's eyes went as round as saucers. You like Jane Austen? Theo chuckled. A few of her works. Others are too frilly and dramatic for me. But I do enjoy Northanger Abbey and Mansfield Park. I love both of those, but Pride and Prejudice is my favorite, breathed Hermione in an awed whisper. Theo laughed again and tilted his head at the book in his hand. Did you read The Hobbit, too? Yes, it's my favorite in that series. I don't much care for all the wars and battle scenes in Lord of the Rings, but I love the descriptions of Bilbo's travels and the peoples he meets. Oh, Tolkien is the master of painting a vivid picture. Theo asserted. What do you think about... But before he could finish, Draco had arrived and plunked noisily into the chair next to him, yawning hugely and reaching across the table to grab a few pieces of toast from the platter near Hermione. We have double potions this afternoon, don't we? He mumbled around a mouthful. Yep, said Theo, which reminds me, I left my book and essay in the library last night. He started shoveling spoonfuls of porridge in his mouth as quickly as possible. So quickly, Hermione was afraid he would choke. I need to run by the library on the way to class, she announced. I'm happy to grab it for you. That way you can actually enjoy your breakfast instead of inhaling it. She cocked an eyebrow at him, and his cheeks bulged with food. Struggling to swallow, he nodded and eventually managed a garbled, Thanks! and a wink. She drank a last gulp of pumpkin juice, gathered her bag, and nodded to the both of the boys. See you later, then, she trailed as she headed out the door. Draco was still thoughtfully munching his toast, staring at the spot where Hermione had just been, and trying to identify the scent she'd left behind. Vanilla, maybe apricots, something floral, and she'd done something different with her hair today. Oi! Theo nudged his arm with his elbow. Earth to Malfoy! What? She's all right, you know. Who? Who? Theo chuckled. Granger, the girl you're still staring after. I'm not staring, said Draco defensively. I'm eating. Sure, mate. Whatever, drawled Theo, smirking at his friend. I'm just saying, she's not nearly as bossy or stuck up as I remember. Granted, I never spent much time with her till this year, but still, she's all right. Okay, said Draco, trying to cover his unaccountable embarrassment with a snark so she's not quite as unbearable as she used to be. What of it? Nothing. Nothing at all. Can I go back to eating my breakfast in peace, please? Sure, Malfoy, Theo chuckled again, shaking his head and resuming his book. As they continued the breakfast in companionable silence, Draco allowed his mind to drift back to its previous focus. Not was right. Hermione was not nearly as bossy as she used to be. She also was a lot friendlier and more outgoing than he had originally assumed. Granted, almost all of their previous interactions during the six years they spent at school together had been filled with insults, taunts, and threats, mostly on his part. He had always known she was smart. 
Even when he couldn't stand her, he couldn't ignore the fact that she still bested him in almost every single class. But now that things were different between them, he was able to admire just how intelligent she really was. She was genuinely nice, too. Having grown up around superficial purebloods all his life, he had assumed everyone was polite when they had to be, but were really only concerned about themselves. Hermione wasn't like that. When someone asked her for help, she helped them without any thought as to what she would get in return. She would have made a horrible Slytherin, he thought darkly. She also treated everyone the same, not based on who they were or what position they held. She was kind and respectful to students and staff, and she seemed to have an innate awareness of what others needed. Again, this was something rather foreign to Draco, but it was something he found intriguing. He had always thought of her as an obnoxious sort of person, with a sharp tongue and a rigid nature. She was much softer than he had ever imagined. Definitely softer. He snorted into his cup of pumpkin juice as he realized where his thoughts were headed and quickly tried to come up with other things to focus on. "'You all right there?' Theo asked as he started to pack up his things. "'Yeah,' coughed Draco. "'Just swallowed wrong.' Theo looked at him shrewdly for a second before shrugging and announcing, "'I'm off then. See you in a bit.' Draco grunted in reply, checking his watch to find that he had five minutes to get to class. He stood up, straightened his uniform, grabbed his bag, and headed towards the door, determined to put Hermione's softness out of his mind entirely. On Wednesday evenings, Hermione joined her trio of first years for dinner in the Great Hall. The first time, she was uncomfortably aware of the amount of interest her presence garnered. She felt like the students at the surrounding tables were trying to listen in on every word she uttered, and was positive several second and third years found excuses to pass by her seat unnecessarily. Deciding that this was unfair to her three group members, the second week she chose a table right up front, as close to the head table as she could get. In fact, she even inched the heavy furniture closer to the platform, just to make sure. Her plan worked fabulously, since none of the other students were brave enough to get that close to the staff for fear of being told off. Since she met with Darla, Allison, and Malcolm individually at other times, their dinners together were a chance for them to talk about things beside their studies and how they were adjusting to life at the castle. Hermione had introduced them to the game of 20 questions, which allowed each player to share information with the others while keeping the conversation flowing. Darla had been sorted into Ravenclaw, which was no surprise, seeing as her favorite spot in the entire castle was the library. Allison was a Slytherin. Hermione had been mildly taken aback, since the young girl seemed nothing like the typical Slytherin she had known before. At first, the new student was worried and even embarrassed by her placement, knowing what a negative reputation the house had. Hermione quickly reassured her that many great witches and wizards had come from the emerald green dungeons, and told her the story of her former potions professor. Malcolm continued to provide a bit of a challenge for his mentor. Though he now knew better than to degrade other houses or students in front of Hermione, she could tell he still maintained the air of superiority she'd witnessed at their introduction. He was polite and cooperative when they met on Wednesday evenings with the girls, but when she was one-on-one -on -one with him on Monday mornings, he was taciturn and even condescending at times. It was clear he still did not see the value in the mentoring program, nor did he seem to be making any effort to become friends with students in other houses. Darla and Allison were the exception, although Hermione couldn't really say that the girls were friends with Malcolm. They tolerated him, more for her benefit than their own, but both of the girls admitted privately to her that they didn't particularly like him. After yet another frustrating session with Malcolm, in which she had taken him on a walk down to Hagrid's hut to see the enormous pumpkins the gamekeeper was growing, she stayed and talked to the gentle giant, or half-giant really, to see if he had any advice to give. Ah, I know just who you're talking about, Hagrid scratched his beard thoughtfully as they sat at his kitchen table, steaming mugs of tea before them. Gave me some lip last week about not needing to know the proper way to feed fire crabs. 
so I stepped back and let him try it on his own. How did he do? Hermione was pretty sure where this was going, judging from the twinkle in Hagrid's dark eyes. Singed the hair right off his arm, he did. Hagrid's laugh rumbled through the cozy room. Sent him straight off to Madame Pomfrey without a word. Stubborn little git. He deserved it, she stated fiercely. He acts like he's better than everyone, walking around with his nose in the air. It's infuriating. Hagrid's beard twitched, and he watched his young friend out of the corner of his eye as he remarked, "'Seems to remind me of someone else we knew back when you and Harry and Ron were just starting out.' Hermione looked down at her mug and nodded. "'Malfoy.' She felt the cheeks color slightly and hoped Hagrid would chalk it up to the warmth from the tea and the fire in his hearth. "'Too right,' Hagrid agreed, and then pinned her with an inscrutable look. "'He turned out not to be so bad, hadn't he?' "'Talked to him a few times since he got here. Decent bloke now, I'd say.' Cheeks now positively on fire, Hermione tried valiantly to look unaffected by his pronouncement, but felt Hagrid's eyes on her still. She chanced to speak to look at him and could tell, even through the massive tangle of hair that obscured his face, he was grinning at her. Yes, she admitted, unable to hide her own smile. He's turned out all right. Well then, there's hope for your little goblin too, I suppose. I just don't know what to do with him, Hermione moaned. The girls are wonderful, and I truly look forward to the time I get to spend with them each week. She let out a long sigh. But Malcolm's a different story. I've tried appealing to his interest, but those seem to change like the shifting staircases. What do you mean? Well, last week at dinner, he mentioned to Allison that he had never met a ghost before, so I arranged for nearly headless Nick to meet us at our Monday session. Malcolm barely looked at him, and I spent an awkward thirty minutes engaging Nick in conversation about his incomplete beheading. Has he done it other times? Hagrid was looking thoughtful. Yes, Hermione continued her rant. After I heard him say he didn't really believe there was a giant squid in the lake, I put aside a whole basket of toast from breakfast and met him down there. He wouldn't even toss a single slice into the water. And then the squid's tentacles started grabbing the pieces. Malcolm actually turned around and started walking back to the castle. The memory of her outing still grated on her nerves, and she knew her cheeks were now flushed with irritation. Hagrid chuckled and covered her small hand with his enormous one. I think he's playing you, Hermione. What? She was incredulous. I think he wants to see what all you'll do for him. It's clear you're trying to impress him. Get him to talk to you. I reckon he's wanting to see how far you'll go. Hagrid's kind, crinkled eyes and a smile that was hidden beneath his bushy beard. Hermione thought about her friend's opinion. There was definite merit to it, she decided. She had spent an inordinate amount of time trying to come up with things to do with Malcolm to draw him out and get him to open up to her. The girls had been content to meet in normal places, the library, the courtyard, or under a tree on the grounds. Why should her grumpy little Gryffindor get special treatment? You're right, Hagrid. She nodded her head decisively. No more bending over backward for Mr. Fraser. Hagrid let out a booming laugh and patted her on the shoulder, causing her chair to creak imperilously under her force. Glad to be a help, he chortled. Self-discoveries were apparently going to be a regular occurrence for the Malfoy heir during his eighth year. Not only had he found himself enjoying the friendly banter and amicable chatter that existed on a continual basis in his new house, but he realized he genuinely liked the people he shared that space with. No longer viewing everyone through the bias and narrow-minded pure-blood glasses he'd been forced to wear all of his life allowed him to accept and appreciate his peers in a brand new way. The reception of him had also proven to be pleasant, albeit humbling experience. He enjoyed his classes and was determined to show his professors that he wasn't just there because the ministry told him he had to be. All of the Hogwarts faculty had been supportive and welcoming, and he didn't take that lightly. As the weeks passed, the rest of the student body seemed to accept his presence in the castle the same way they did his housemates. In fact, 
The younger students apparently found him rather interesting, and he would often catch first or second years watching him as he walked to class, or when he was working in the library. They didn't seem resentful or hostile, merely curious. The reason for this upswing in attention was soon realized one Sunday afternoon, as he greeted his young charges on the Quidditch pitch. Olivia and Christopher were jogging towards him, followed by three other students Draco didn't know. He cocked his head in question as Christopher reached him first. "'Draco, these are my friends,' the young Hufflepuff gestured to two of the newcomers, who were staring at the eighth year with wide eyes. "'Aiden Tarklin is a Hufflepuff like me, and Andrew Grevy is a Gryffindor.' Draco's gaze rested on the sandy-haired boy wearing a scarlet and gold tie. He might not have known Colin personally, but he recognized him in his youngest brother. His gut clenched and a lump formed in his throat, not knowing what to say, but determined to push through. He stuck out his hand to the first year. "'Hey there, Andrew.' The boy shook his hand with a firmer grip than Draco had expected, and met his eye with a serious yet interested look. "'Hi,' was all he said, but he smiled slightly, so Draco took that to mean he didn't hate him. He greeted Aiden the same way, and then turned to Olivia. "'This is my friend Darla. She's in Ravenclaw. We always sit together for meals, and Hermione is her mentor.' Olivia beamed at him and nudged her friend with her elbow. Darla had been standing there the whole time, staring at Draco with rapt attention, her mouth slightly open, and a mild, dazed look on her face. "'Hello, Darla,' he offered his hand to her as well, which she stared at for a few seconds before taking it, and gazing back up at him without speaking. He fought back a chuckle, hiding it behind a cough as he looked around the group clustered before him. "'So, now that we're all acquainted, what could I do for you?' "'They want flying lessons, too,' explained Christopher, bouncing on the balls of his feet. "'What?' Draco asked, mildly confused. "'I've been telling them about how much you help me, and they're both bollocks at it, too, so I told them they could come along.' Christopher seemed to realize he might have miscalculated, and a worried look crossed his face. "'It's okay, right?' His eyes held a pleading look that Draco found both amusing and flattering, as if his word would make or break the boy's day. "'Sure,' he said, shrugging. "'Fine by me.' but this doesn't take the place of your meetings with your real mentors. All five of the students cheered and beamed up at him. Darla still looked a little dazed. Everyone have a broom? He glanced around, and five broomsticks were shoved into the air in answer. Right then, mount up. The next hour flew by, literally, as he helped each of them gain confidence off the ground. Olivia was a natural and joined them for fun, but Draco used her to help with demonstrating some of the more basic skills as he assisted those who were struggling more. By the end of their time together, all four of the self-professed failures at flying were successfully summoning their brooms, mounting, kicking off, hovering, and touching down. Christopher had already accomplished those initial skills, but did them again with his friends, after which Draco asked him to demonstrate a simple lap around the pitch, just five or six feet off the ground. "'Can we have a go-to?' Andrew asked, with Aiden nodding vigorously at his side. Not wanting to squash their enthusiasm, Draco was hesitant to let them go zooming off, as neither had been terribly steady so far. "'Tell you what,' he compromised. "'You can go to the goalpost straight ahead, but don't go more than three feet off the ground, and go slow.' With the goalpost only being about twenty yards away, he figured that was safe enough distance for a trial run, and that they couldn't pick up that much speed in such a short time. "'Do you want to join them, Darla?' The young girl blushed furiously at being addressed by the tall blonde and simply shook her head. The boys immediately mounted and shot him matching looks of nervous anticipation, and took off. He watched them with immense pride and chuckled to himself, knowing he could probably run faster than they were flying, but that didn't matter. The boys reached the goalpost, Andrew touching down gently and dismounting with ease, while Aiden jerked to a stop and rather tumbled off, but both were grinning from ear to ear as they came running back to the group. "'Can we do it again?' 
Aiden asked breathlessly. Not today, Draco replied and was immediately met with a chorus of disappointed groans. I've got to get back and finish a potions essay, but I'm sure you lot have other things you need to be doing as well. He grinned at each of them in turn. We'll meet again next week. Us too? asked Andrew. Sure, Draco answered without a second thought. Pretty soon we'll have enough for a whole Quidditch team, he joked. He waved his arms in an effort to herd the lively little bunch back to the castle. Christopher and Aiden took off at a run, while Olivia and Darla linked arms and started skipping to their wake. Andrew, however, walked beside Draco. "'Thanks for teaching me all that,' the young Gryffindor said quietly, a small smile spreading across his face. "'You're welcome. You did really well,' Draco cleared his throat and fixed his eyes on the path before him. "'I'm sorry about your brother. I didn't know him personally, but I do know he was very brave to come back and fight.' His words trailed off, and he glanced sideways at Andrew, seeing a faraway look on the boy's face. "'Colin never liked flying.' Andrew took a deep breath, stopped walking, and turned to face Draco. He loved taking pictures and playing pranks, but he was afraid of flying. Never got on a broom after his one flying lesson first year. Dennis either. But I don't want to be afraid of it. I want to be brave, like him. His hazel eyes took on a sheen, and there was a tinge of red in his cheeks, but he squared his shoulders. My dad always told us that being brave means doing something you're afraid to do, no matter how it might turn out. Colin did that at the battle, so yes, he was brave. "'But I think you are, too.' Draco's heart stuttered and his brows furrowed. "'What do you mean?' Andrew shrugged. "'Coming back here can't have been easy. Not after everything. You knew people would be angry. Some would even hate you.' "'Well, I didn't honestly have a choice,' Draco started to explain. "'The Ministry—' But Andrew cut him off. "'I know it was part of your probation. I read the article in The Prophet. I guess it's not so much that you came back—' but it's how you've come back. Dennis said you're not the same mean, bullying Slytherin he remembers. You could have been, but you didn't have to change. Draco felt like he was listening to the words of a much older, wiser person than himself and was astounded at the depth in which Andrew's words had sunk with him. He nodded and placed a hand on the young boy's shoulder as they started to walk back up to the castle. After traveling in silence for a few minutes, he spoke. Thank you, Andrew. That means a lot. More than you know, really. Hazel eyes fixed on him again, a small smile tugging at the corner of Andrew's mouth. I think Colin would be pleased with the changes people are making. It's what he fought for, after all. Draco nodded in agreement, again feeling like he was at a loss for words. To say he was impressed with the muggle-born beside him was an understatement, the irony of which was not lost on him. Once they reached the entrance hall, they parted ways with a friendly wave and Draco began his trek to the room deep in thought. He was still finding it a little difficult to express his more in-depth ponderings, or, Merlin forbid, talk about his feelings, but he wasn't afraid to acknowledge them any more, even if it was only to himself. Today it felt good, really, really good. The fact that his little first years had brought friends with them was flattering, and to see them all make such great progress had filled him with pride. He'd never have guessed that he would have enjoyed working with younger students. The conversation with Andrew, while not comfortable, had been reaffirming that he was doing the right thing and moving in the right direction. For once, Draco felt as if he was doing something positive, and that it was making a difference. And that was a very good thing.